the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No escape for the hypocrites. That is up next on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner as we continue our journey through Romans. The story goes that W.C. Fields, on his deathbed, was reading the Bible, to which a friend of his who saw came in and said, Are you converting? No, my friend, looking for loopholes. Now, we tend to laugh at that a bit. But the fact is, when it comes to God's justice and judgment, there are no loopholes. And that's what we see here in Romans chapter 2. Join us. No escape for hypocrites. With this edition of Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. We see here in chapter 2 of Romans that Paul makes a transition from the Gentile world, which was evil, corrupt, blind in their understanding, perverse in their morals, hardened in their hearts, to the Jews. And as hard as chapter 1 was, chapter 2 is harder. Because if the light of nature God's revelation of himself, his glory, his power, and his goodness in nature was sufficient to leave all men without excuse. What of his revelation in the law, in the promises, in the covenant that the Jews possessed? How will they fare? How will they do before the judgment seat of God if knowing God's truth and his promise of salvation in the Messiah They reject that Messiah and reject they did. The Jews tended to think of themselves as a privileged group. They were descended from Abraham, after all. They had the covenants and they had the law. But one of the things that was lacking in your average Jewish mindset, according to Paul, and of course he knew much better than we do, was that they did not have any sense of personal, individual accountability to God. That all the trappings of religion and the external blessings of God's covenant wouldn't do you any good at all if you lack the inner reality. Now, the inner reality is exactly what the Old Testament taught. Moses taught them in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, Circumcise your heart, not your foreskin. Otherwise, your outward blessings of the covenant, your worship, the sacrifices, the temple, these things only increase condemnation if the inner heart is not tamed before God and you do not love him and sincerely seek to serve him. That is exactly what the Jews did not do. Which is why our Lord in Matthew 15, verse 8 said this in quoting Isaiah. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart 
is far from me. And he was quoting from Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. Isaiah had given that description of God's people being hypocritical, living the outward but lacking the inward. He had given this description of them eight centuries earlier, and nothing had changed. Now, I'm not talking about the majority of the Jews. I'm not talking about them all. I'm not talking about Mary and Joseph. I'm not talking about Simeon and Anna. I'm not talking about Nathaniel and Andrew and Peter, who obviously were men who were waiting for the Messiah. So when John pointed him out, behold, the Lamb of God, they dropped everything they were doing and they ran to him. But I'm not talking about the majority. That at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ and at the time of Paul, that at the time that Paul was writing this, they rested in the external things. They rested in the outward badges of God's covenant and of his favor as a Jew. And they assumed that that was enough to preserve them from judgment. But they went one step further. Not only did they lack the internal renewal of heart and mind and spirit that God gives his people, but they turned around and condemned the Gentiles for all kinds of horrible sins all the while. They themselves were practicing the same things. Beloved, read the prophets. It will be useful for exercise for you as well as being tremendously edifying. Do it over the month of June. Read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel in succession. And you will see in there that these prophets did not spare the Gentile world. Which is interesting because most of the religion of that day assumed that each people had their own religion. And could only judge within the boundaries of its own religion. Kind of like today's pluralism. Whereas the prophets of Israel even though they were within the covenant people, turned God's word against the other nations as well, because, of course, Jehovah is the Lord and the judge of all nations. So you will find this in the prophets dealing with Moab, dealing with Babylon, dealing with Nineveh, but you will also find the strongest condemnation against God's people. Why? Because they had the truth of God's word. Their hearts should have been humbled by God's goodness, but their hearts were not humbled. They should have been led to repentance, but they were not repentant. They should have been very careful about condemning others when they saw the same sins within themselves, but they were not careful So that the most common description of the Gentiles in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ was a dog. You Gentile dogs. And yet Paul's point here as a Jew himself is profound as a Christian. Unlike many today from whom their nationality is everything and their religion seems to be second. Paul's faith was first. 
and his nationality was important to him, but not nearly as important as living life before God. Paul said, my Gentile, any Gentile is morally superior to you Jews because they don't have God's light. And yet some of them, as we shall see in a little bit, did at least some outward things that were commendable. So what we actually find in chapter 2 is that the condemnation is stronger against the Jews than it was against the Gentiles. Now you might say, but I thought sodomy, lesbianism, I thought all those sins we looked at last week, hatefulness, rebellious, covetousness, full of envy, were the worst things you could possibly do. Well, they certainly are horrible, and they will send you to hell forever. But by far the worst is to know God's will and not To do it, by far the worst, the one who will be beaten with many stripes is the one who knew his master's will, but did not do it. And then they condemned other people because they didn't do it. Hiding under the cloak of hypocrisy, their outward privileges as a Jew. Well, of course, God is going to overlook my bad. Look at all he has done for me. This was the case of the Jews, and that is why Paul says, therefore, this is inexcusable. Verse 1 of chapter 2, Paul is saying, it is indefensible, my countrymen, for you to act in this fashion. The blessings that God gave to you, the worship he revealed to you, the commandments he gave to you on Mount Sinai, deliverance from Egypt, preserving you through the wilderness, bringing you to the promised land. All of these blessings should have humbled your hearts and wed you to him forever. But instead, they became your source of pride. They became presumptuous. Believing they could have the outward blessings, yet they could live their lives as they pleased. This, O oh man, was a great warning. And it is a warning to us as well. And we ignore it to our own peril, beloved, because it's a fine thing to be religious. But without our hearts held firmly in the grip of gratitude for God's mercy and grace, love for Him, love for His Word, we are guilty of the same hypocrisy that the Jews were condemned for. We we cannot rest in our baptism. We cannot rest in the Lord's Supper. We cannot rest in the possession of God's completed revelation. And it's not enough. For the gospel to flit around in our brains and and we think, yeah, maybe I should do a, a little better over here. But I can always come back next week and do it all over again. So just let me kind of live today the way I want to live my life. You see, true religion has three components. And here they are. True religion is present only when our hearts are sincerely, savingly humbled 
by God's goodness and mercy to us in Jesus Christ. True religion is present only when our hearts are savingly humbled before God for his mercy to us in Jesus. And then from that flows a weeping over our sins, a hatred of them. We want to be done with them. We want to turn from them and walk in all the ways of God's commandments. True religion, secondly, is our, as our Savior defines it, is forsaking the world, denying self, and bearing the cross. True religion has an inner component, and true religion has an outer expression. And it is only when both of those are in unity that we have what the Bible calls integrity. When in my heart I am humbled by God's mercy and I realize that I do not deserve for the Son of God to have borne my curse on the cross, I'm duly convicted, though never as I should be. I even need to repent of my repentance, but I always do sense a little of God's goodness saving me through Jesus. And from that... I rise up and I forsake the world and I serve my God. And I want to walk with him and bear my Savior's cross and deny myself. So true religion, thirdly, to kind of sum it up, is when God's goodness leads us to self-honesty, then repentance, and then hope in the gospel. That is the only true religion in the world, my friends. True religion is not when we beat ourselves up because we know we're not as good as we should be. That can be an ugly form of pride, actually. There are many people, even within the church, who walk around speaking negatively all the time about themselves, but really what they want is to be petted and encouraged and for everyone to look at me. Well, that's not true religion. True religion is both a sense of my sinfulness and God's incredible mercy in saving me, coupled with faith in the gospel and what he has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And without this, we are hypocrites. We have to have both, you see. We have to have inward renewal. And we have to have outward Sanctification. Our masks have to be torn off. Hypocrisy has no power at all like this to transform our lives like true religion does. Hypocrisy is empty. It is dead. It is vain. It is worthless. We may as well just go home and watch our favorite sport like other blind men. We may just as well Go ahead and admit publicly we are wrapped up in self and in pride. And it is all really about me and my religion and my traditions, my theology. It is all about me. It has become a badge of honor. Let that not ever be said of any of us. But listen, even without true and undefiled religion... The Jews had blessings. They saw the glory of God. They heard his voice on Mount Sinai. 
They saw his wonders for centuries, but it didn't do them any good and will be no different. You see, because a greater light has dawned in Jesus Christ. And if we don't seek this true religion honestly before God for our true condition, thankfulness for His mercy, humble faith in the gospel, we will fall into the same hypocrisy and the same judgments that fell upon the Jews. We see it throughout the church today. And like the Jews, we will be, grow blind in our understanding. We will think religion is a way to financial gain or social connections. We will miss the Savior who is, our very, who is right now in our very midst, just like the Jews did. Because what we really want is not Him, if we are hypocrites. We want the facade and the appearance of religiosity and the appearance of being good people without the reality. And finally, what happens to hypocrites as we see in the Jews? They lose their taste for God's word. Have you noticed when you read the gospel that those who truly hum- were humbled before God, when Jesus was talking, they hung on his every word? It wasn't like, it was like, I'm already in heaven. Just hearing his voice, I'm already in heaven. No one ever talked like this. I want to hear more. Please don't stop. Give me a hundred sermons on the mount. I don't care if it, it exposes me. I don't care if it shows my filth. That is why we see in the people who had all kinds of diseases and filth and things that would be socially shunned just running to him openly with honesty and conferring. Why? Because he is light and he is the life and I must have him. I must have him. I must have his reality. Do you know what happens like to these Jews if we don't have that type of desire? We can't bear to hear the word of God. Remember, Stephen was preaching to the Jewish leaders in Acts chapter 7. And he was just going through the basic Old Testament history lessons. He wasn't even getting into anything controversial. He was just showing the disobedience and the stubbornness of God's people, which all of the prophets before had done. These are the leaders of the Jews. And what did they do? They put their fingers in their ears and they threw stones at him. Why? Because hypocrites eventually lose their taste for the word of God. They eventually cannot stand it any longer because it exposes them. And they ridicule those who walk in the old paths of God's word like you see in some sections of the church today. Oh, if you believe in expository preaching and worship without all the trappings that unbelievers expect, then you are a bigot and an enemy of freedom. And you're out of step with our current spiritual needs. Hypocrites never want to worship God purely. 
but according to their own traditions and their imaginations. And then eventually, novelty. But the problem with this kind of sham religion, and trust me, it is a sham religion, because it is not real. It doesn't tame our hearts before God at all, and it feeds our self-love. If we will turn into, it will turn into license like we saw among the Jews practicing the sins that we condemn in others. We have even seen this in preachers practicing things that we condemn in others' attitudes and actions and words. Or we may formally worship God, but we do not worship Him with our whole heart. We don't offer ourselves to Him. We are outwardly religious, but we teem with inner lust and covetousness and other base forms of lust. We practice the same sorts of sins as those who do not know God, condemning them while we excuse ourselves and we assume a sanctimonious air. I was very guilty of this in my early days as a Christian. And I saw it drives away the very ones who need to be hearing that God has had compassion on this poor sinner and saved him. But I don't feel that if I'm a hypocrite. Because you know what? There's a sense of self-worth. There's a sense of, well, I don't have to go back to that anymore. There is a sense in which I'm past that. And there's only this ugly kind of pride where God teaches you something new and you want to incorporate it into your life. But then you think, well, I've always been like that. I've always been this good kind of person. I've always known all these things. I've always been a good husband, a good wife. It is always about me and promoting an image to others that I want them to think I have everything under control. It is hideous. It is ugly. Hypocrisy in the heart always produces hypocrisy in life. It delights in condemning the sins in others to shield one's self from the searching light of God's word. The church, for example, can condemn sodomy and lesbianism all at once. It can defend traditional marriage all at once. But is anyone going to take that very seriously? When many of the men who attend church services weekly, then during the course of the week, watch pornography and indulge themselves in all forms of lust? Well, you can't really call me a hypocrite if no one sees it. It doesn't matter what others see. God sees it. And he says it is vile. It is hypocrisy. And that is just one example about many that I could give you. You know, it's always more appealing to our beastly flesh to condemn others than it is to condemn ourselves. And yet, in some respects, this is the very essence of what the gospel love does to a man. It makes us willing to overlook the sins of others, praying for them to receive the mercy that we ourselves are seeking and feel ourselves so much in need of. True faith is humbled by its own sins. 
Hypocrisy likes to sit in judgment to avoid facing its own sins. Now understand, this is not to promote universal tolerance. Our Savior commanded us in Matthew 7, 24 to judge righteous judgment. Where God's word has spoken, it is sinful to be silent or tolerant. It is evil because he is the righteous judge. But the spirit and the tone in addressing someone's sin is everything. How do we judge ourselves? Do we judge ourselves before God first? Do we weep for our own sins? Have you ever felt on your face those salty tears of repentance when you see your own selfishness and sinfulness in the sight of a holy God? And like Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-one, you judge yourself before God. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.